0: Our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City worship service podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbor well, out of a desire to protect the most vulnerable, and to reduce the strain on the healthcare workers of our community, we are continuing to suspend in person worship for the time being to do our part to stop the spread of this awful virus that is ravaging our city, our state our nation, and our world. But yet, even though we are apart, we are still together through the power of the Holy Spirit. We remember that Jesus is Lord, and because Jesus has been crucified, risen, and ascended, and because of the Holy Spirit that he sent to us so that we would not be alone, we worship together wherever we are. We don't understand the physics of it, we don't understand the mechanics of it, but we know that wherever we are worshiping from, if we are worshiping in the spirit and truth of Jesus Christ, we are worshiping together. This is the season of Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany began on Wednesday uh, after the 12 days of Christmas, and Epiphany is a time that we recognize that God's light has come to the entire world through Jesus Christ. Uh, f- we, at Epiphany, we usually tell the story of the Magi, the people who came from far away to worship at the feet of Jesus. Um, but we also spend a few weeks looking at how Christ is revealed to us, because there are many ways in and, and many places in Scripture where we see Christ revealed and different aspects of who Jesus is revealed through different stories. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those stories and events where through other people, through things that Jesus says and does himself, that who Jesus is, is revealed to us as God's people. Because we recognize that light has come into the world and that Christ is with us Because God decided to be born among us. God wanted to live among us. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live among us and to redeem us. Just a couple of quick notes for you this morning. Um, We are back on a regular schedule of Zoom coffee hours. So if you are listening to this before 1130 a.m. Pacific time on the 10th of January 2021, and would like to join us for Zoom coffee hour, please email baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to send you the link to join us on Zoom. Next week, however, we will be having, as we've had for the past two months, curbside communion. And curbside communion is where you pull up to the Ninth Street side of our church, and we, uh, using all of the uh, the COVID health procedures, um, we serve you communion in your car. You don't even have to get out of your car. If it's raining, if it's uh, if the, the weather is lousy, you don't have to leave your car. Even if it's sunny out, you don't leave your car. You just pull up, and we serve you communion, and you, you go on your way. And that is going to be next Sunday, the 17th of January, from 1130 to 1230 uh, at the church on the 9th Street side of the church. Uh, And we'll remind you of that again next week. We hope you're doing well. It has been a tumultuous week in our country. Unexpected things have happened. And while some have been very surprised by this and some have not, while some people are very angry and upset about this, I think it should grieve all of our hearts As followers of Jesus. But it's important to remember that Jesus is Lord, that we are servants of a living God whose kingdom is not of this world and has no end. If you're struggling this week, if you are are having difficulty dealing with with the things that have happened, um, please feel free to get in touch with us at the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org. That's the number one baptistchurch.org, and we will be happy uh, to talk with you, to pray with you, uh, and to help you make some sense about the, the act of evil that happened in our country this week. As we go forward in worship, we worship in the Spirit of God. We worship in the Spirit of peace. We worship in the same Spirit of the angels who saying the night that Jesus was born, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men, and we, we worship in the spirit of the Magi who brought their gifts and laid them at the feet of Jesus.
1: you don't need me but somehow you want me oh how you love me somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go oh god you don't need me but somehow you want me oh how you love me somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control i give you control You don't need me, but somehow you want me I'm how you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go.
0: In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse one, Paul, the experienced apostle, urges Timothy, his young co-worker in the gospel, to pray for all people. Paul continues to write, Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. When we pray for our leaders and people in authority, it does not mean for us to pray for their agendas to be done, nor does it mean for us to pledge our unwavering loyalty to them. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, and we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray this, our intent is not for the rule of God to be enforced through worldly power structures but rather for those power structures to care for all and reflect God's loving care for humanity. If we are serious about this, it will more often than not make us good citizens of our communities and countries. But other times we will need to point out the wicked ways of our leaders and pray for their repentance and for them to accept the costly consequences of their actions. On Wednesday, the 6th of January, Katie and I watched on TV in horror as an angry, violent mob stormed the Capitol building and gained entry to the halls of Congress in Washington, D.C., attempting to throw out the legitimate results of the recent election. This mob was incited to violence by messages and social media posts from some of our country's leaders in the weeks leading up to the event, and even on that morning. The violence led to the deaths of five people. We must acknowledge the evil spurred on by these leaders and rebuke it. This is not a matter of partisan politics. This is a matter of following Jesus. But we must not fall into the temptation of hating our enemies. None are beyond redemption. And as Paul wrote in the earlier passage, Jesus wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. This morning I will be praying for those who encouraged violence to repent and accept the consequences of their actions. I will be praying for those who perpetrated the violence to lay down their arms and commit to the ways of peace. And I will be praying for us to be the people of God committed to justice and peace in the name of Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord and our God, You are the ruler of the whole earth. You are the Lord of all creation, all humanity, and are over all the cosmos. All good things come from you, and all our worship and praise go back to you. Our Father and King, your divine rule stretches through the whole world. There is truly nothing that stands outside your authority. Every blade of grass that grows does so in your gaze. Should a baby bird fall from a nest, you know of it. You know the hairs on our head and the meditations of our heart. We are finite. You are infinite. Loving God, you set human rulers and governments over us to organize our world, to maintain peace, to exercise good stewardship over creation. And for the care and protection of fellow humans we know these rulers are fallible for they are from the same brokenness as the rest of us we know these leaders are capable of evil just as we are capable of turning astray from you we know these governments are set up in the ways of the world its greed its violence its desire for supremacy we live in the ways of your kingdom love peace, and justice. We confess to you those times when we do not live out love, peace, and justice. We repent of those times when the ways of the world, greed, violence, and desire, hold greater sway. We are complicit in the brokenness, even as we strive for your ways. Almighty and loving God, we watch this week as evil held power. We heard the words of our leaders who encouraged insurrection, whose skill and speech and charm were used to incite violence rather than command peace. We saw violent people attempt to take hold of our government. We watched as glass was shattered, doors were broken, and chaos reigned. Five lives were taken, five people bearing your image in the world. Heavenly Father, we are angry, hurt, and grieving. We long to see justice in these United States. Our thoughts may turn to vengeance and returning violence. Our hearts may be unforgiving. Yet we know the life of our Lord Jesus Christ was traded for that of a violent rebel, one who had committed murder in an attempt to cast off Roman rule. Help us to maintain your posture of love, humility, and forgiveness but also help us to advocate for justice in our land. May your people stand up in this land for justice and peace. What we can do together to ensure this does not happen again, that life is not lost and violence is robbed of its voice, may it be done by us. Give us the strength to oppose evil, not by the tools of evil, but by the love and joy of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just and wise God, you who changes hearts and minds, plant the seed of repentance in our leaders who this week encouraged evil, violence, and death. May they see the fruits of their wicked ways. Having seen what they've done, may they turn to you for forgiveness and set right the things they have broken. Lead those who are bent on destruction to lay down their arms, to call an end to that which is ruinous, and to turn to true life in you. God of grace, have mercy on us. Give us the strength to be faithful to you. Help us to be loyal and allegiant to nothing else but your kingdom. Your kingdom inaugurated by the death, resurrection, and ascension of your Son Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
2: Hear the word of the Lord. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see.
0: For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you.
3: Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings, Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness.
2: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your
1: radiance. Look and see, everyone is coming home. Your sons are
2: coming from distant lands. Your daughters will be carried home. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ.
0: The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic.
3: We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing a great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves.
2: Your light, your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. Or merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshiping the Lord. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars.
1: The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forests bare.
2: In his temple, everyone shouts, glory, the Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace.
0: May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has died. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live this way. They are the new people of God.
3: For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit.
2: No longer will you need the sun to shine by day nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look,
1: God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever.
3: Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever. I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become a thousand people tiniest group will become a mighty nation and at the right time i the lord will make this happen
2: this is the word of the lord
3: praise Praise the lord
2: thanks Thanks be to God. god
0: Our scripture reading today comes to us from Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve. And many times, if you have been in and around uh, the church long enough to see several Christmas pageants, uh, the the passage that we're about to read usually gets rolled into uh, the Christmas pageant, despite um despite there there being a a difference in time period Um, so uh, this is usually as i said earlier uh, this is usually a passage that's reserved for epiphany um, but we're going to look at it today so this is matthew 2 verses 1 through 12 and i will be reading from the new living translation Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go back to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a trail that I like to walk around here and it goes down by the Clackamas River and you can walk it from basically the front door of my apartment along the river uh, through some nice low-lying wetlands. About the only unpleasant thing about it is uh, if the wind blows in a particular way There is a sewage treatment plant that greets you with a uh, a rather pungent greeting, sometimes more pungent, depending on the uh, temperature and humidity. But it continues back along the river and you can even cross the river and go to the other side uh, on a bridge and walk along the river uh, the other side and if you really wanted to, you can you can make a whole loop um, and, um, and return back, you know, make a, a whole circle of where you started from. I don't usually do that. I usually go out to one point and come back. And it's, it's about three miles, and it takes me about an hour. I have walked this path. I have jogged this path. I have done this in autumn. I have done this in summer. I have done this in spring. And I've done this in winter. In fact, just this past Monday, I was walking this path. Uh, I was a little bit stir crazy. So I I put on my mask and I went for a walk. And I zipped up my phone in a jacket pocket. Uh, that was difficult to get to so that I wouldn't be tempted to take it out and poke at it at any point because I wanted to focus on what was around me. I just wanted to go on a winter's walk. And as I walked along, I saw all of the telltale signs of winter, the, the trees and vegetation that had been flourishing in green six months ago, look dead, they look lifeless. Besides the, the evergreens off in the distance, a lot of the trees that line the path are uh, the kind that shed their leaves, deciduous. And the grasses and the, the wetlands that lie around there kind of are this, this light tannish brown right now. And it seems, really seems like things are dead. That things are lifeless at the moment. But as I came to a turn in the path, I looked at one plant just a little bit more closely. And when you look at it closely, you see that things aren't dead. You see that deep inside these these plants, these trees, there's life. It's waiting, it's hidden, it's not easy to see. But there's the tiniest spark of life that lies within each of these little plants along the way. There was one flower and I I don't know the name of it. I don't know what type of flower it is. I'm trying to learn these sorts of things. Um, but it was it was closed up in on itself. And I know what it looks like when it blooms, and it's kind of a purpley flower, but it was all drawn in on itself, and you could tell that it was just waiting, it was holding on to the life that was inside of it. I mean, it's had plenty of water recently, <laughs> so so there is life. Even in the winter time, and if you're if you're like me, you perhaps feel like this is a particularly wintry winter. No, it hasn't snowed. No, it it ultimately hasn't been that cold. It could be colder. It's definitely been rainy, but it feels wintry because. Our our land, our world, feels bereft of a particular type of life. As the new year dawned on January first, twenty twenty one, and you looked on social media, there were lots of expectations of of big changes that that twenty twenty was over and all of the tumult of twenty twenty had had passed, and we were. We're very hopeful about 2021, and, and every new year people have this sort of hope, but this year it felt different. This year we, in the past 12 months, we have had an awakening of how little control we have uh, in reality we have these illusions of control don't we we have this idea that we're in control of our our lives our destiny our whatever whatever you want to call it that we somehow have this grasp on on just what's going on around us we think maybe our you know we we put our trust in our our health we put our trust in our our uh prosperity, our money, we are our, our possessions. And and we put our trust in in the systems of our our country and our our, our world that are just supposed to protect us. That we we kind of just expect that they'll run in the background and then when something goes wrong that we're going to we're going to be able to be in control to take care of it. But yet, in the past 12 months, we have watched a virus that we still have no cure for spread like wildfire throughout our world. And it's funny that I say spread like wildfire because here in Oregon, we watched wildfire spread while even our best firefighters and emergency personnel struggled to contain the the spread of the blaze. We watched as the injustice and the disparity of our justice systems between how people with different skin colors are treated was revealed. And just this past week, we watched our nation's top official incite violence In our nation's capital and in all of those situations we are out of control it is a great unveiling of how little control we have but we want to feel in control we crave this control and it's hard to give up isn't it it's hard to give up this control because when when we feel out of control, we don't know what to do. And when we feel out of control, usually our our less positive human instincts come out, don't they? Um, when we feel out of control, we we uh, instead of, acting out of love, acting out of charity for our love for God, our love for neighbor, we act out of fear, we act out of shame, we act out of guilt, out of hatred. And right now, I think a lot of us, myself included, feel out of control to some degree. It's not usually this sort of framing that we we bring to the the passage that we we read this morning about the Magi. We don't usually, uh, when we when we think about the Magi, we're not usually thinking about um, our position in the world. We're thinking about uh, Jesus and who he is, and we're we're going to get to that. But when we meet the Magi, we, we are almost immediately thrust into a conversation about control. Control and who's in charge. The Magi had seen something in the sky. And no one is, is 100% conclusively beyond any shadow of a doubt certain as to what it was the Magi saw. Um, What we do know is that in the ancient world, and and people still try to do this now, is they would see things that happened in the stars and use it as a, a way to say, oh, well, something must be going to happen on Earth because of what we saw in the sky, or, they would see something happen on earth and then expect to see it reflected in the sky. It worked both ways. And the Magi who were kind of a combination of astronomer and astrologer, they were very educated in this. And they, they looked in the sky and they saw something. Um, It is possible. One possible thing that they saw actually happened just this past December. Um, What could have been an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn, because in their way of interpretation, Jupiter was a kingly planet, and Saturn often represented something that was happening with with the Israelites. And when they came together, it's possible that, that that was what they saw, an alignment of the two. We don't know for sure, but one way or another, they saw something in the sky that they interpreted to say that there's a new king in Israel. And so they showed up in the nation's capital, they showed up in Jerusalem, and they went to speak with Herod. Herod's not a great guy. Herod is, and that's that's kind of an understatement, Herod is is a false king. And everyone knew this. Everyone knew Herod was a fraud. He didn't have the qualifications to be king. There was no reason that Herod should be king, except he was easy for the Romans to control and he could get their business done. And so they put him in place as their king. He was cruel, He was violent. He wasn't an Israelite. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and the descendants of Jacob were the Israelites, and the descendants of Esau were the Edomites. Herod was an Edomite. He was not an Israelite. And so when Jesus was born... An Israelite was not on the throne of God's people, and everybody knew this. They knew Herod was a fraud, but they also knew Herod was violent. By the end of of the Herodian dynasty, there were, there you can, and there are books that have been written about how terrible the Herods were. Herod would end up uh, in th- in uh, throwing most of his family in prison, out of fear that one of them would try to make a run at his throne. Um, we see the son of the Herod in this story beheading John the Baptist. This was the Herod that had greatly desired to see uh, to see Jesus, and in uh, In the Gospels, we read that in the the process of Jesus' crucifixion, that he was paraded in front of Herod, and Herod basically asked Jesus to do a magic trick. And so this Herod was a fraud. He was afraid, and he was angry and violent. And he wanted to remain in control. And it's right here in the text. King Herod, this is verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem were disturbed because they didn't know what Herod was going to do if there was a legitimate threat to his, to his throne. And so Herod, as, as most people in his position are, was shrewd. He knew how to play the game. He knew how to play the system. And Herod called the wise men and he said, look, you go find this baby. I'm I'm a devout worshiper and I want to go worship this child. He put on the clothing of faith to be able to find out where this child was. And he had terrible intentions. If you continue reading after the end of this passage, Herod was interested in murdering Jesus. He was very upset that the wise men had tricked him, that they had gone home another way and that they had not reported back to him. He was upset that there was another contender to the throne and that it would be the true king of the Jews. And in one of the darkest passages of scripture, he orders the execution of children in Bethlehem. This is what happens when we want to hang on to control for all it's worth. Meanwhile, we have the Magi. And they were people of status. They were people of power. They were people who had studied and knew and could interpret in their culture what they saw as the signs of of earth and sky. And they had a treasure chest and they had come on camels. These were regal people. And there's we don't know exactly how many of them there were um, they brought. There are three gifts that are named, and so many times we hear about the three kings. In fact, as our, our prelude, uh, Jeannie played a beautiful rendition of "We Three Kings," and as much as I appreciate that song, uh, we don't know that there were just three kings. Um, we know that there were three gifts, and and thus people have made assumptions. And we don't know how far they came from. We don't know how far they traveled. We don't even know their names. There are some traditions that give them names. There are, are, There's literature that has named them. But in Matthew's gospel, they don't even have names. They're just the Magi. Travelers from afar. And they show up because they want to worship a king. They have given up the comfort of their own land. They have given up their privilege and their status. They haven't made an official state visit. They've come as worshipers. They haven't come to see somebody who is enthroned in a a powerful throne, who is uh, in a fully grown position of authority They've come to see a child. They have come to see Jesus not fully grown. And when they get there, they bow down and they worship him. They give up their authority and they put it at the feet of Jesus. They give up their control and they put it at the feet of Jesus. They give up their gifts, and they put it at the feet of Jesus. Because this is what worship is. It is recognizing that this is the true king, and bringing our gifts, and presenting the best of what we can to the true king of the world. this is what the magi realized and this is what the magi did and they weren't interested in the thoughts and opinions of the pretender in the capital they weren't interested in all of the violent threats that this pretender Herod could incite they weren't interested in appeasing his tiny fragile ego They wanted to serve and worship Christ. And this is where we find ourselves here in the season of Epiphany. We find ourselves in a world that feels out of control. But yet, we know who Jesus is. And don't get me wrong, There are people in in this world who will claim control. There are people, there are Herods in our world. This This is repeated throughout history that people who want to claim earthly control will do so at any cost and at any price and will take any life that stands in their way. They will incite whatever violence they need to they will desecrate whatever uh, system or or code of honor that stands against their power. You can see it in Pharaoh. You can see it in Nebuchadnezzar. You can see it in Herod. You can see it in Pontius Pilate. And you can see it today. But we as followers of Jesus know that Jesus is the true king, and if we are the servants and the worshipers of the true king, then we lay down our control. We surrender ourselves to Jesus, and we follow the ways of Jesus. When we worship Jesus, we worship Jesus in ways that are consistent with who Jesus is, When we we follow Jesus, we follow the ways of Jesus, whether they fit with the ways of our world or not. And when we seek control, we don't seek to grab control in earthly ways because wealth is fleeting. Health is even more fragile. And the things of this world that we think can support us and sustain us can be gone in a flash. But Jesus is eternal. The kingdom of God has no end. All of the great kingdoms of man begin and end. All of the Herods at some point end up in a tomb, but Jesus is alive. And I think it's poignant that when the Magi show up to worship, they're showing up to worship Jesus in a very humble moment. They're not showing up to worship and consult with Jesus in His teaching ministry. They're not showing up to worship and uh, and receive a miracle from Jesus. They're worshiping Jesus as a child. We don't know exactly how young Jesus was when they showed up. Somewhere between birth and age two, most likely. But when we seek control, when we surrender our control to Jesus, we don't do it in a way that expects to make us powerful, to to put us back in control of our world we seek to put Jesus in control of our lives and our communal life as God's people. And individually and as a community, we surrender our claims to control, our claims to authority, our claims to to how the world runs, and we do it in the ways of Jesus. And these are the ways of humility. These are the ways of peace. These are the ways of loving your enemy. And we'll learn all of this. That All of this will be revealed more explicitly later in Jesus's life. But it's revealed implicitly here. Because Jesus wasn't didn't not come into our world as a fully grown adult but he came into our world as a vulnerable child. He was a child yet king, and he was worshiped by great people of this world who recognized his true kingship. Following Jesus is not going to put you in worldly control of your life, and it's not going to always give you the type of worldly security that we expect. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy asks if Aslan is a tame lion. And Mr. Beaver replies, tame? No, he isn't a tame lion, but he's good. And Aslan represents Jesus. And surrendering control to Jesus may not always be tame, but it's good. And as we walk through this wintry time in our world, as we walk through this wintry time in our lives, looking for life, we can't shout and rage at trees and plants and grasses in hopes that life will come out of it. We can't shake our fists at the sky and and try to make some of the dreary gray and rainy clouds go away. We can't go outside with a hairdryer attached to an extension cord and expect to make it a few degrees warmer because we realize God is in control. And that in the right time, the control of God, the ruling hand of God will bring life. Let's pray together. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us for worship this morning. We thank you for lifting up the name of Jesus together. That as we have prayed and sung and read God's word and proclaimed God's word, that we do it together through the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we are, whenever we are. Sometimes I'm struck by the fact that If these recordings endure years and years from now, somebody could be worshiping with us that we've never met in a place that we've never been, but by our witness to Jesus Christ as First Baptist Church of Oregon City, our witness is God's family, that they might be drawn in ways that we don't understand into the love that we have now the love that we have for Jesus, the love that we have for each other. And I pray as we go through these, uh, these times that, that we, we sometimes feel out of control, that we remember that Jesus is Lord and that we remember that what we do in Jesus's name reigns forever. And If you are uh, listening to this, whether you are part of our, our usual First Baptist Church of Oregon City family, or if you have become part of the First Baptist Church of Oregon City family by uh, listening to our, our podcast, by worshiping together with us via podcast, if you have a need, if you have something you want us to know about, if you have a prayer request. Um, if you just want to check in and say hello and, and let us know who you are and where you're listening from, again, our email address is baptist.church at comcast.net. And we would be happy to hear from you and happy to communicate with you. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude of We Three Kings. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music this morning. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist readers in our creative scripture reading. I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.